Hey, greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You know, so often we do talk about the Second Amendment, where we talk about a lot of the issues surrounding the Second Amendment. We try to get you to understand the history of the Second Amendment and how it applies. And, of course, recently the 4473 issue with Hunter Biden or the pistol brace issue. But we don't often talk about the industry, the firearms industry, which without a doubt has been a target of the progressive socialist leftists. So I thought it'd be a great time for us to talk with Jason Koloski, who serves as the chief executive officer of Watchtower Firearms. Watchtower is a privately held, veteran-owned, Texas-based firearms manufacturer. Watchtower produces military, civilian, and precision firearms, suppressors, and accessories. And prior to being the CEO of Watchtower Firearms, Jason was a Marine reconnaissance uh, operator. He has also served time at the Office of the Secretary of Defense in their Strategic Planning Division. And he has had a tenure as an executive officer at Raytheon. So, Jason, thanks so very much for joining us here at the Steadfast and Law Podcast. And again, I am so deeply humbled uh, in having that special edition rifle under my little signature that you guys uh, produce and create, and, and I was there for your grand opening. Well, Alan, th first off, it's absolutely my honor to be on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, just fantastic to have you at the opening. Uh, fantastic to have you roll out one of our uh, special edition rifles. And we, we got big things. We got big things uh, going on, so mm -hmm. thank you. Um, well, my pleasure. Let, let's talk about how your background has built you up to this moment. What are the things about you serving in the as a Marine reconnaissance uh, operator that helped you to get to where you are today? Uh, and this is what, your second or third generation Marine recon? I mean, that's pretty important, pretty impressive. Well, yeah, so thanks. Um, yeah, so I, I think a little bit of background will help contextualize kind of how I got to where we're at and mm -hmm. We're trying to do with watchtower which is a little bit it's not a little bit it's a lot different than what other uh firearm manufacturers are doing so um you know i grew up in backwater uh louisiana i grew up in a little town called moss bluff basically in a swamp um and i uh early on was really taught the the importance of work my parents emphasized this um you know, I, the concept of all this privilege that and privilege this, when I was 13, I was scrubbing bathrooms in a state park, emptying trash cans, uh, working on construction crews. There wasn't a whole lot of privilege going around. Yeah. Um, they also instilled in me a very strong sense of patriotism. So when my family came over uh, in the kind of the second big immigration wave that took place in 1904 to 1907, um, 
they came to the country and every member, every member of my family served in World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, and then and then forward. Um, so for me, it was um, not necessarily stated, but it was a little bit of the company business. It was expected. America had, gives so much to all of us, and so you know, wearing the nation's cloth should, is something that people should do to give back, and it was something that I thought was important. So mm-hmm. I joined the Marine Corps uh, early nineties. Volunteered uh, for recon, uh, went through the selection process, which uh, was a whole lot of fun and a very long story, maybe for another episode, but made it through selection uh, and went through the basic jump, combat dive, mm-hmm. uh, dive supervisor, seer, all the stuff that you would expect some of our, our best and brightest to go through. Uh, deployed to the Middle East, deployed to Africa. Um, and, you know, I, I served at a time where I really got to serve alongside some of the nation's greatest heroes. Uh, I don't count myself in that group whatsoever, but it's absolute legends moving forward. So that was something that I took with me moving forward was that original work ethic, that original sense of patriotism. And it was just kind of, kind of finely tuned and honed as I, I moved through my career. Um, when I got out of the Marines, I ended up um, spending some time working both uh, for the Coast Guard and the Navy doing foreign military sales. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of a, a really interesting thing. I got to see how we train and equip our foreign allies, and I got to run those organizations. So getting a sense of, at a very high level, how we sell weapon systems to other countries, why we do it, how we go about it, really kind of prepared me for the next step that you you mentioned. They thought I did a relatively decent job, so I ended up going to the War College. It's kind of a fork and knife school for everybody who's a, an 06 or a GS-15 that's mm-hmm. being prepared for senior executive service or flag officer status. So did that, great year, and then um, ended up going to the Office of the Secretary of Defense where I um, oversaw India for a period of time and then ended up running the Middle East office. Um, worked for Secretary Gates, Panetta, Hagel. And there was a couple things that really hit me coming out of that. So first off, and again, another episode, another time, but how high level decisions are actually made. We see a lot of people talking on CNN and Fox News who have never even come close to some of these decisional meetings. They really don't know how these decisions are made. And to kind of actually see how the Constitution comes crashing into the military civilian control uh, piece of this was was really fascinating. Um, another thing that I, I saw and got to participate in is you know, America has a real interesting view of how intelligence operations work versus how policy decisions are made. They're often conflated in the news media and intelligence supports our policy decisions. So being a part of that, seeing how that works, being part of the national security structure and understanding how that works was was really interesting. It was uh, it helped also inform how I got to some of the places I did from a, a foreign military sales standpoint. So great time, really informative, formative years of mine. Yeah. Some people would say a creature of the swamp. And that, that would be fair. There's a definite tribal nature to how things work in Washington, both good and bad. Yeah. 
you can put a good spin on it, you can put a bad spin on it, but it was um, it was definitely formidable for me. You know, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and it, so from from there, um, I'd gone about as far and as high as you can go as a civilian uh, without stepping over the Rubicon and, and entering into political waters. So uh, it was kind of a, a moment for me to part and head to a, uh, a defense company. I was given a couple of really, really good offers, had the opportunity to participate and, and help um, develop uh, one of our larger defense companies, Washington operations offices, and then move into uh, running a, um, a business unit. So fantastic experiences, great opportunities. I, I really have nothing to complain about. Mm -hmm. the, um, the pivotal point for me though, uh, and you talk about this a lot and it, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate reality that we're dealing with is even in some of our major defense companies, um, they've gotten to a place where a lot of woke politics and agendas are permeating them. And it was really the first time in my life where, I, you know, I, I don't want to say conscientious objector, but you know, I was a highly compensated defense executive and it's just something I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. Uh, we got into a, a world where instead of top line growth, we were focused on equality or, um, Diversity, well, equity, and inclusion, and yeah. Quality of outcomes. Yes. And, and, and it's a great term. It's, it sounds warm. It sounds fuzzy. And if, and if you go along with it all, I guess you can kind of close your eyes. And, but it's socialism. You know, um, Mark Twain once said, you know, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it sure rhymes. Yeah. And when you think about equality of outcomes, well, it sounds suspiciously like the great leap forward in China. That sounds really good too, other than the fact that 55 million people died mm -hmm. and created the greatest, the second greatest famine in human history. So it, it, it's the warm and fuzziness. I get it. I understand. We want to raise people up. We want to, we want to do good things in America. Everyone who comes to America ascends. That's the whole idea of the country is to ascend. But th there's the kind of the, 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 the lexicon that's a bit misleading. And I got to the point where it was just, this is socialism, I can't participate. And then we kind of turned the page. And that's kind of how we got to the point of, of uh, stepping into the firearms industry and really wanting to do something different. Well, you know, the great thing that you and I grew up in is that it was a military based upon meritocracy. It was not based upon, you know, prescribed outcomes, you know, because of where you were born, you know, what your skin color was or whatever. We wanted the person that could meet and exceed the standard. And it seems somehow that that has gotten different in our United States military. And I think that's what's hurting our recruiting. So all of a sudden you decide that you want to, you know, step away from this formal uh, government side being at the OSD or even in the private sector with Raytheon and what you have said is that you want Watchtower Firearms to be the next great American firearms manufacturer. Tell us what that means uh, in your mind and in your vision and what really drove you to start uh, Watchtower Firearms. Yeah so you know it's um, you, you just nailed it a second ago and I, I want to circle back to that then I'll, I'll address that. You know, you as a paratrooper, you had standards, you had requirements. There's certain things you, it didn't matter if you're black, white, green, purple, nope. you have 
to do, period. As a recon Marine, we had more than a couple of standards that we had to meet. And it was pretty agnostic of whatever your particular flavor was. So one of the things that I truly, deeply, personally enjoyed about that time in my life was it was a calling. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you feel the exact mm-hmm. same way. It was a calling. It's it's hard to replicate that. Um, working at the Office of the Secretary of Defense was amazing. It was it opened my eyes to so many things. Working in a senior level of uh, one of the, the second largest defense company in the world opened my eyes to a lot of things. But it wasn't a calling. It was it was the job. And when I made the decision that I wanted to move into the firearms industry, I'd spent a lot of time kind of praying, contemplating, thinking, what is that next step? What does that look like? And it's a little silly, but, you know, I I, I spent some time on the the side of a mountain in West Virginia. And what do I what what's important to me? What do I believe in? And one of the things that I always grew up and I was surrounded with was ideals relating to the Second Amendment. Um, I always look forward at Christmas. You know, you get the Bass Pro Shop big catalog, Mm -hmm. you get the, the Sears wish book, and it was loaded with apparel and and some uh firearms from colt and winchester and browning and so that kind of took me down a path of well you know maybe i'll maybe i'll go do that instead because i i'll feel passionately about it but as i did my research i started realizing that colt's not an american company anymore it's owned by the checks then i did a little more research and winchester hasn't existed in quite some time. It's a, it's a licensing right that Olin Chemical owns that they uh, let FN, a brown, a brown a, a Belgian company, use. Same thing with Browning. Mm-hmm. Fits into the FN portfolio. And I started kind of walking through this and realizing we've lost that great American industrial capability to build American firearms. Mm-hmm. There's some onesies and twosies that are still there. But by and large, the great titans uh, that I grew up with are gone. Um, and so immediately I thought, well, that has to be because of the left's kind of litigation and firearms lawsuits. And it, it, it wasn't. Unfortunately, when you do the business analysis, it was just simply because of poor management. Hmm. Um, and it, it, we're, we've arrived at a point where there's a, a media narrative that, frankly, I don't care about. But there's this media narrative that tries to take an animate object and say, oh, it's responsible for all this yeah. bad, bad things in the world. They, they don't want to talk about mental health. They don't want to talk about smartphones. They don't want to talk about movies or video games or any of the actual core underpinnings of why some of these things happen. Let's focus on the inanimate object. But that had really nothing to do with why the firearms industry is in the particular predicament it is. It's, it's, it's simply bad business practices. So while as an American, I found that incredibly saddening as a business person, I said, well, there's opportunity here. And that's why I'm looking to bring back that great next American firearms company. Um, We're starting with the name and everything we do is touch points into American history. So Watchtower is named after Operation Watchtower, Mm -hmm. which was the invasion of Guadalcanal. It was the turning point in the Pacific. And I like to think that is somewhat analogous with the turning point and where our firearms industry is now. I'm okay to steer the ship into harm's way and build something that's going to last. 
So that's, that's really my focus. Um, we have a couple of things that software standpoint we're really focused on quality and price. So there's a lot of people who make Ferraris out there in the firearm industry and it's unreachable. The common person can't afford them. Uh, we're not making Ferraris, but we're probably making Hellcats or Cobra Shelby's. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to get the same degree of quality. Uh, and this is a, this is a very high quality manufacturing operation. Uh, you're going to get the same Ferrari quality, but you're going to get it at a price that Americans can afford. Uh, and let's talk about that because, yeah. you know, being down there and seeing your facility, I mean, I hate to use this term, but you do everything from soup to nuts down there on your campus. So describe to us the facility you have, you know, b because the machining and everything is done right there. I mean, in the products that you get, the, the core products, I mean, they're American-made core products that you put through the milling process, correct? Oh, yeah. So that, it's, it's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. So most Americans don't know this. They go out and they buy a gun. They, they see Winchester, like, oh, that's, you know, Oliver Winchester, and it's it's all the goodness that comes with it. Most firearms companies, and there's very few, um, they don't they don't build guns. We we build firearms. Mm -hmm. They will uh, take a component. It'll be built in Spain or Japan or South Korea. It'll be shipped to the United States, and it's it's put together. Um, we don't do that. We build everything from American sourced steel, American sourced aluminum. Um, it's built here in Houston, Texas, uh, from, to your point, soup to nuts from the, the uppers, to the lowers to the barrels, everything we have is built in house. Um, and it's the foundation of which we're going to grow and we're going to look to, to do some pretty cool stuff. Well, let's talk about the different lines that you have out there of firearms you're going to be presenting because, you know, what we're taught in the military, if everything is a priority, nothing's a priority. So you're really being very focused and specific on what you're doing. So let's talk about some of the firearms lines that you're developing uh, for people to go out there and purchase. Yeah. So um, when we bought, so we started out with a foundation on a company called F1 Firearms. Mm -hmm. um, their bread and butter was competition rifles. So you and I, we've both been in the military, you've carried a rifle. And usually when you carry that standard M4, you, you might hold it and it shakes. When you shake it, it rattles a little bit. Mm -hmm. those, are, those are forged rifles. The, the cuts are not precision. Um, it, it's loose and that serves our purposes. They're, they're in the mud, they're in the water, they're yeah. in the sand. You don't want that stuff to stay in the rifle. F1 built competition rifles. These rifles are built from a big block of aluminum. Uh, they're cut very, very precisely. And it's part of the, the math problem that gives any rifle a sub MOA, minute of angle accuracy. So we're, we're nailing out dime groups at 100 yards with these rifles. They're incredibly accurate. They're, the tolerances are incredibly high. And that's the foundation of which we built Watchtower on, was the acquisition of F1. That's where we wanted to start. So everything we're doing is all based off of that high level of tolerance, high level of repeatability, high level of comp competence. And then from there, we have a special operations line 
these these rifles again are all sub moa um we also have a military line those are forgings more like what you and i are used to shooting mm -hmm. or gas lines um we also are introducing a new hunting line now we have some pretty cool stuff coming out uh, i've reorganized the company we have now a dedicated research and development uh, department that focuses solely on some really cutting edge technology We've met with a number of folks that own patents in some really interesting ways. I don't want to give it away because yeah. some of this stuff is going to shake up the firearms industry. And so we have some amazing stuff coming out in, in that particular area. We, can, we have our, our, um, our competition line, which is basically the old F1 firearms mm -hmm. line. They're decorative rifles. They're also, like I said, extraordinarily accurate. Mm -hmm. And then we have some, um, we're moving into the pistol space. Mm -hmm. um, we have a 1911 double stack that we're getting ready to put out that I think is going to make uh, some of the high-end 1911 guys pretty uh, pretty uncomfortable. So all things to come. Well, it's great that you're pushing that envelope, but it, with your background in the defense industry, how do you see, you know, Watchtower getting to, be at the, a, a seat at the table, if we can put it that way, when it comes to not just foreign military sales, but maybe our own U.S. military uh, sales. Because I, I think, again, we want to see our soldier, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardsmen. Uh, I don't know what the Space Force carry. I, I, I don't know if they have a personal weapon. But uh, I think we want to see them carrying American weapons and not, you know, something that is out there and they is bid upon from whomever. Am I right about that? Yeah. You know, and you're, 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 you're taking me down a dark path here, Alan. Um, oh, well, I, I got to do that. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was also part of my thinking when I, when I took a look at where the firearm industry is right now, um, it's sad, but it's, it's true. When you look at who just recently competed for the uh, next generation firearms platform for the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. um, General Dynamics was part of that. Textron was part of that. And Sig Sauer was part of that. Um, I'm a huge fan of General Dynamics. They make amazing tanks. They don't build small arms. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Uh, Textron, a uh, huge fan of, of, of Bell in particular, part of the Textron family, the mm -hmm. V-22, amazing aircraft. Um, they don't build small arms. Um, and then we're kind of left with Sig Sauer. Uh, I know they desperately want to be an American company. It's, it's a German company. Uh, it's owned by L&O Holdings. It's, it's a German company. And that's what our soldiers have. And they've already run into quality issues. Um, but th this is, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, the elections. It's kind of like the, the problems we're suffering right now in America. At some point in time, you have to look, in your, look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself who you voted for. Um, nobody else ponied up to the table that was a, an American manufacturer of firearms. Six hours is the only one that did. Yeah. So they now have the contract and our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, and God bless the Space Force, uh, they're, they're carrying six-hour rifles and they're carrying six-hour pistols. Um I think SIG makes a great product, but it's a German yeah, and you can do better. Yeah, we absolutely can. So, you know, as we get ready to wrap up, you know, some people would say, okay, 
under the Biden administration, you want to open up a firearms manufacturing or, you know, bring this new line. I mean, you, you got to be daggum big old hole in your head. I mean, what what's going on? Did you what challenges did you see? I, I mean, because one of the things we're taught to do in the military as leaders is that we identify the risk, but we mitigate the risk. What type of risk that you see in creating Watchtower and what was your thought process in mitigating that risk and saying that, you know, I'm going to do this and, I, and I'm going to create a great American firearms uh, manufacturer. Can you share that with us? Great question. And, you know, another thing we're taught as leaders to do is to kind of reduce the noise around us. So yeah. the guys move forward and do what they need to do. Here's the reality. Uh, we have 27 states that are now cons that are constitutional carry. And we have another 14 or 15 that are amazingly close to constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. um, most states have stand your ground laws. Most states um, have carry, shall carry laws, not may carry laws. If you turn off CNN, if you turn off MSNBC, the reality is the country is incredibly pro Second Amendment, and yeah. we see it at the state level every single day. The Biden administration, for all intents and purposes, is a reaction to a previous administration. It was the best of what's left in a certain particular demographic. Uh, I don't think that speaks to where the country is at from firearms ownership or usage or responsibility. So for me, um, this was frankly a no brainer. Um, and what I've had to do is basically just reduce, reduce the noise mm -hmm. and have my guys focus on where we're going, not pay attention to the 0.001% of, um, of Americans that get scared because frankly, their, their mom and dad didn't teach them how to clean a rifle and go hunting. Yeah. I just don't have time for it and I don't care about it. Good, because that's one of the other things they teach us in the military about bypass criteria. If, you know, you get uh, dissuaded from your ultimate mission because of every little sniping voice over there, you'll never get to what you need to achieve. As we wrap up, tell us how people can go out there and connect with Watchtower Firearms, maybe even purchase the AW Steadfast and Loyal BDRX uh, AR-15. Uh, how can people tune into you and, and can they come by even and visit you and, and tour your facility? Yeah. So, um, www.watchtowerfirearms.com. Come visit us. Come see our website. Um, as, as you mentioned, we have uh, your one of two special editions that we've decided to do. Um, that you have a, it's a pretty, pretty bad rifle you got. It's awesome. It's, folks, it's just awesome. And, and, and this is what I want you to explain to people. Uh, because there's a video out there of me test firing. When he talks about, you know, a, a dime, uh, you know, shot group, I mean, this was incredible. And this was with hard sights. But what was so impressive was the barrel suppressor. There was no raise. There was no lift when I, you know, pulled the trigger. I mean, it just stayed locked on. Explain this barrel suppressor that you have because I have never fired an AR that was that smooth. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and I get a little giddy and a little gun nerdy when I talk about it. But um, we have two uh, flash suppressors that are ported in such a way that they, the gas drives the barrel down. 
So it's a little deceiving if you're used to leaning into your rifle when mm -hmm. you shoot. You don't need to. It actually keeps the barrel flat. And our um, we have a we have a, a three gun team and a, a, a shooting team, and it gives them a huge advantage over their competition. Uh, the way these things are cut, we have a specific patent for it. Um, but your your rifle is just I absolutely love spending the time kind of making that and putting that together with you. The other limited edition we have right now is is kind of interesting. So uh, Rob O'Neill, uh, yeah. I shot Bin Laden, never signed a gun deal with anybody, uh, didn't like kind of the corporate feel of a lot of the companies. Um, our, our leadership team is made up of special operators mm -hmm. and defense executives. And so um, between a couple of recon Marines and a couple of Navy SEALs, Rob loved what we were doing, came on board. And so he has another one of our special editions that we're pushing. Uh, but we're we're down in Spring, Texas. Uh, we're building. We're growing. Uh, we'd love people to to take a, a look at us, and we'd love to earn everybody's business. Well, I will tell you first and foremost, it's a very impressive facility. Uh, go down and visit Watchtower Firearms in Spring, Texas, and uh, visit them on the website. And the weapons are just incredible. Like I said, I have never fired an AR that was just that smooth and, and really that, uh, that easy to, to fire and keep on target. Now, I can't let you go, you know, without saying this. And, and folks, I'm a University of Tennessee volunteer, and the team that knocked us out of the College World Series ended up being the actual College World Series champions of 2023. Your LSU Tigers. So go Tigers, G-E-A-U-X Tigers. And congratulations to you and all the people there in Louisiana. You, you guys got a kind of got a streak going on here. Women's basketball championship, College World Series. Y'all kind of getting full of yourselves. Well, we're looking forward to having you over for a little gumbo and um... – I'm sorry, uh, probably a loss this fall. Oh, now there we go. They're still upset about that 40 to 18 butt whipping Tennessee put on them in, uh, was that Death Valley? Uh, but who died? All right, Jason. <laughs> Thank so you so much. The dreams go to die. Except for Tennessee's dream did not die in 2022. But you're right. What have you done for me lately? So we'll see what happens. Hey, folks. Jason and I love some SEC sports and definitely SEC football. But please go down and visit Jason Koloski and all the great people and the great team there in Watchtower Firearms in Spring, Texas. Check out their website, uh, and you will not be disappointed if you decide to purchase one of their weapons. Jason, God bless you, and thank you so much for having uh, the time to be with us at the Step Fast and Law Podcast. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Special thanks to Jason Koloski, who is the CEO of Watchtower Firearms, for being with us and the great conversation that we had about the firearms industry. And if you like this podcast, please click the like button, share it with others, and until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.